and read uh, 24, starting in verse 10. And it says, May those who bless you be blessed, and those who curse you be cursed. Then Balak's anger burned against Balaam. He struck his hands together and said to him, I summoned you to curse my enemies, but you have blessed them these three times. Now leave it once and go home. I said I would reward you handsomely, but the Lord has kept you from being rewarded. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that you'd open our mind, heart, and soul up to your word tonight and just let us understand it and give us comprehension, Father. And I just pray that it would work in and throughout our lives. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. All right. Now, what I just read sounds like a pretty noble guy, right? And, and, and he seems like it. From what I've read in the past, uh, reading, reading about Balaam, it's always kind of mystified me. Um, let, before I get into that too much, let me just kind of go ahead and set the scene for you. Um, I'll, I'll just give you a little bit of background. See, the Israelites are nearing the end of their 40-year wandering through the desert. And as they get to the end, they come up and they reach the, the Amorites, the king of Sion. And they reach out to him. Moses, of course, is leading these Israelites. And they reach out to him and, you know, they ask him, hey... We've got all these people. We've got all this, these animals and everything. Can we pass through your land? You know, if, if our cattle, any animal we have, if they eat anything, we'll pay you for it. If they drink out any of your wells, you know, we'll replace it. We'll pay you for that. We just want to pass through your road. We, we won't cause any harm, you know, and we'll fix whatever we tear up. If anything like that, you know, all sounds like a pretty good offer. Well, Sion, king of the Amorites... Didn't like that offer. Matter of fact, he started war with these guys. And, of course, God didn't like that because the Israelites were blessed. So the Israelites whooped the king. And then these other surrounding countries didn't like that either. So a few of them stepped in. Well, they started whooping them too, you know. They're kind of like the Mike Tysons of the 90s, you know. You just didn't mess with him. And so they're whooping everybody they come across. Well, let me just pause right there and let me tell you about a gentleman that's kind of watching all this go on and, 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 and they're camped right there close to him on the plain of Moab. And that's kind of where our story takes place tonight. Like, like I said, I'm in the book of Numbers. We're going to start off in chapter 22. And I'll, I'll read a little bit and talk a little bit. I, I'm, you'll have to just excuse me. I'm going to read a whole lot tonight. Uh, I've got eight chapters to cover. I won't read all that, but I, I will read quite a bit. So just bear with me, if you would, because it, it, there's a lot of meat in there, and it's pretty good stuff. So let me just go ahead and get started here. I want to I read, uh, starting in verse 1. Then the Israelites traveled to the plains of Moab and camped along the Jordan across from Jericho. Now Balak, son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites and Moab, and he was terrified because there were so many people. Indeed, Moab was filled with dread because of the Israelites. The Moabites said to the elders of Midian, This horde is going to lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. Which is kind of funny because Balak's name actually means to lick up. So Balak, son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at that time, sent messengers to summon Balaam. 
And the names get kind of confusing. Balak and Balaam. Balaam, son of Beor, who was at Pethor, near the river, in his native land. All right, I just want to stop right there and kind of introduce you to this Balaam. Um, first of all, Balaam, his name means consumer. And that's going to be your first clue tonight. Now, he is a Gentile. He's not, he's not a Jew. Um, and at one time, he was a prophet. At one time, he was a prophet. And that's your second clue of the night. And he was best known. He's the best known prophet in the East at that time. He was very successful. But he had a problem. He really liked money. I mean, he really liked it. All right, let me continue to read here. And Balak said, A people has come. This is the message that he is supposed to receive. A people has come out of Egypt, and they cover the face of the land, and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people, because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the country. For I know that those you bless are blessed, and those you curse are cursed. That kind of make you feel special, wouldn't it? So, the elders of Moab and, and Median left, taking with them a fee for divination. And when they came to Balaam, they told him what Balak had said to them. Now, uh, a fee for divination, that sounds a little bit like sorcery to me. What, what, what is that exactly? Well, a diviner's fee was a, a diviner was a false prophet. Okay, so they're taking with them a fee for a false prophet. Okay, so just a little uh, pre-glimpse here. Um, what you accept is what you become. They're taking to Balaam a diviner's fee. All right, I'm going to continue on now here in verse 8. Okay, they get there, the elders, um, they take with them the fee and everything. So, you know, they give the spiel to Balaam. Verse 8, Balaam says, Spend the night here, and I will bring you back the answer the Lord gives me. So the Moabite princess stayed with him. You know, it's almost like he's using like a used car salesman tactic. You know, Y'all stay here. Let me spend a little bit of time with you so you feel like you kind of owe me something for the time you stayed here at my lovely abode, right? So he's got kind of a tactic that he's, that he's using here. And then he, God came to Balaam and asked, Who are these men with you? Who are these men with you? Now I want to stop right there. Because God didn't have a clue who those men were with Balaam. Right? Right? I mean, is there certain people God just don't know, never heard of? No. He's asking Balaam this as a rhetorical question. It kind of reminds me of... Uh, Y'all remember back when... Way back when Adam and Eve was in the Garden of Eden... And they'd done something they wasn't supposed to, and they went and hid because they found out they were naked. God come through the garden and said, Where are you? God knew where they was at, right? He was asking them, 
Where are you spiritually? Okay, well, the same thing is kind of happening here. So he asked, he asked Balaam, who are those men with you? And so, uh, you know, he, he's not asking because he didn't know. He's asking because those men that you were hosting, that you're with right now, these men are trying to kill my chosen people. So let me ask you again, who are these men with you, Balaam? All right, so moving on to verse 10. Balaam, like Adam and Eve, go on and try to explain themselves. Let's go through verse 10 through 12 here. Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, sent me to this message. I mean, he goes on to explain himself, even though that's not what God's asking at all, but he's going to go ahead and lay it out there. A people that has come out of Egypt covers the face of the land. Now come and put a curse on them for me. Perhaps then I will be able to fight them and drive them away. But God said to Balaam, do not go. This is kind of like a do not that Moses received back in Exodus. Do not covet. Do not murder. Do not have any other gods before me. Do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. So the next morning, Balaam got up and said to Balak's princess, Go back, go back to your own country. The Lord refused to let me go with you. All right. So he's almost like a child who has to say, spend the night with his buddy and his parents wouldn't let him. You know, he's like, I can't go. You boys, go ahead. God told me I couldn't go. Now, is that all that God said to Balaam when he was over there speaking with God? Did Balaam leave just a little bit out? I think he did. You see, Balaam kind of leaves a little bit of bait in the water, doesn't he? Sorry, boys, I want to go, but I just can't. And then in verse 14. So the Moabite princes returned to Balak and said, Balaam refused to come with us. Circle that word, refused to come with us. Then Balak sent other princesses, more numerous and more distinguished than the first. He knows how to work Balaam. So they came to Balaam and said... You know, he's up in the ante, right? Because it, it was easier to say no to these other guys, but when you get some real influential people and there's more of them and they got you surrounded, that's a lot of pressure on a man. So, and then it says, This is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me because I will reward you handsomely and do whatever you say. Just come, put a curse on these people for me. But Balaam answered them, even if Balak gave me his palace filled with silver and gold, which is what he wanted, by the way, I could do nothing, great or small, to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. Now stay here tonight as the others did, and I will find out what else the Lord would tell me. 
Y'all go ahead and stay here again tonight. Now, didn't God don't give this guy an answer? All right. So, what we find out here is Balaam is spending way too much time with his enemy. He's spending way too much time with the temptation as well. He needs to get away from that. But he likes it. It's alluring him in. When we're tempted, the Christian thing to do is to keep praying for it. And hopefully God will see your point, right? You know, when we want something as a Christian, we keep praying for it. You know, and we see this a lot in young people wanting, um, before they get married, you know, they're really, really, really attracted to this other person. However, this other person is not a Christian, and they are. And so they're praying to God, hey, uh, I know we're going to be unequally yoked here, but man, have you seen how good looking this chick is? I mean, look at her hair. I mean, I mean, her eyes. Lord, man. Oh, Lord, please, please. Have you seen her body, Lord? Just, just do me this favor, Lord. I'm sure she'll change. I'm sure she'll come to know you. You know, and it's almost like as long as we pray for it, even though we know the answer already, as long as we keep praying for it, we feel like we're doing the Christian thing by praying for it. Well, you know, I prayed. I asked God. I kept praying for it. I, I think, I think that, yeah, I think that was a yeah. Yeah, was that a yes or the floor squeak? But, you know, this is kind of what Balaam was doing. He's going back, and he's going to try to find an excuse. He's going to try to find a way to make this happen because he really wants to get to Balak and get a look at that treasure. All right, so we're just going to keep moving along. Like I said, it's a lot of reading. That night, God came to Balaam and said, Since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's kind of comical. But since these men have come, it's all right, you can go now. Um, but only do what I tell you to do. Um, Now, now, now this, is, this is where I don't understand. Let me, let me read this a little bit farther right here. Okay? So Balaam got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princess of Moab. But God was very angry that he went. Okay? This is, I've never understood this, and it's always been very confusing to me until I, I, I dug a little bit deeper before the, the lesson tonight. Okay? Back in verse 12 when he said he couldn't go, he said you can't go with them. Uh, it was a Hebrew word, and I'm sorry I can't say these words, but it's something like, I'm a him. I'm a him. And that meant you can't go with them physically, and you cannot go with them mentally. You can't go with them in either way, form, or fashion. Now, in verse 20, he's saying in the Hebrew word is uh, that you uh, you can go with them physically, but you cannot go with them mentally okay and so why is God angry because he said you could go hey I mean I don't so he said you could go physically but you cannot go mentally all right you can you can physically go but I I, I don't want you going mentally I don't want you getting involved with these guys mentally so 
But God was very angry with him that he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Now, Balaam went with him, and went, when it says went here, it's the word halach. Okay, and I'm sorry, I cannot say that very good. But now this means to go, to walk, and to live with them. And that's how Balaam went with them. You know, this goes beyond physically and mentally. I mean, this is going with them, to walk like them, to live with them. That's why God became angry because he joined their ways just basically by saddling the donkey and going. All right, now let's make history. Balaam was riding on his donkey. And his two servants were with him. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, she, notice this is Jenny, not Jack, she turned off the road into the field. Balaam beat her back on the road. Have y'all ever seen somebody that was going the wrong direction and you try to gently straighten them up in life? Have you ever got knocked in the head for it? Maybe not knocked in the head, but you got verbally abused, right? It happened to me this week. You know, I tried to say, hey, you all right? You're kind of doing this. Right? That's what Balaam done to his donkey. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between two vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat her again. Pop, 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 pop. Verse 26. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place. It keeps getting narrower and narrower and narrower. God is doing... He's, he's, he's bringing it to a halt. Where there was no room to turn either to the left or to the right. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. And he was angry and began to beat her with her staff. And then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and she said to Balaam, what have I done to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, You have made a fool of me. If I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. Now, three things pop out right there real fast to me. First and foremost is, Balaam is not surprised that the donkey's talking to him. <laughs> I mean, I would be like, Whoa! Do it again. You know, something... But he, he just immediately responds back. The second thing that pops out to me is Balaam is furious. This guy is ticked. I mean, he is steaming mad. Mad enough that he is going to kill a talking donkey. I mean, a guy that loves money, I mean, if he thought this out just a little bit, he could probably make some money with this donkey. Like that lady is going to do with Shrek. That, off that, you know, that one donkey? No? Okay, sorry. Third thing I see is he is so blinded by trying to get 
to the king's riches that he won't let anything stop him. He's wanting to get to those riches so bad. I mean, a talking donkey, that's nothing. I, I mean, he is so glued on all those riches that he just keeps trucking, you know. He's just mad this donkey's just stopping him, so he just begins just to beat this donkey. Okay, so moving on from there. The donkey said to uh, Balaam, Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? Mm, no, he said. You know, it's almost like he's kind of coming out of it now, like I'm having this conversation. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel standing there in the road with a drawn sword. So he bowed low and fell face down. And I like, I like verse 32, what it says here. Then the angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? He didn't start off with, What are you doing? Why are you following these guys? You know, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I just want to pause there and, and go back, or go forward actually, because Proverbs tells us that a righteous man... Um, that a righteous man will take care of his animals. And I'm not saying I love animals more than humans or anything like that. I'm just saying that a good godly man takes care of everything in his life, right? When a, when a Christian man comes home, usually his dogs don't run and hunker, you know, and, and it you know, same way as livestock, you know, he, he tends to his animals. I flipped my pages too many times and lost my spot. Sorry about that. Let me find it. Yeah, there we go. So, and then, and then the second thing that God done is He warned, He warned Balaam that he's on a reckless road. Okay, you know the donkey explained to him, "I've always been loyal to you." You know, hey, heed the warning here, and then, you know. Proverbs tells us that a righteous man takes care of his animals. Then God warned Balaam, you're on a reckless road. It's like the warning is going out. And then in verse 33, it goes on to say that... Um, okay, let me backtrack here just a little bit here. So Balaam shows up. He's had the warning. He's still a little shook up from the encounter with the angel. And uh, and when, uh, so their conversation here, so Balaam's like, hey, do you not want me to go now? 
I'll go back. I, I see that I've sinned now. In verse 35, the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. And when Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him in the Moabite town on the Arnon border at the edge of his territory. Balak said to Balaam, Did I not send you an urgent summons? Why didn't you come to me? I am really, am I really not able to reward you? You know, I got a blank check here, Balaam. What's the deal? Why wasn't you here days ago? By the way, the trip from where Balaam's at to where they're at now was about 350 miles of mountains and desert, mountains and desert, about a 30-day trip. Just FYI there. So he says, well, I have come to you now, Balaam replied. But can I say just anything? I must speak only what God puts in my mouth. And Balaam went to Balak, Kiroth, at Huzok. And Balak sacrificed cattle and sheep and gave some to Balaam, the princes who were there. The next morning, Balak took Balaam up to Bamoth Baal, which is, by the way, a really bad place where they worship false idols and gods. And from there, he saw part of the people. Balaam said, build me seven altars here and prepare seven bulls and seven rams. And, you know, so they get that scene all set up. And he says, wait here, let me go up and see what God says. So God met with him in verse 4. And Balaam said, I have prepared seven altars on, on each altar, altar and offered a bull and a ram. The Lord put a message in Balaam's mouth and said, the offering with all the princes of Moab. And then Balaam uttered his oracle, which did not make him happy. Balak brought me from Aram to the king of Moab from the eastern mountains. Come, he said, curse Jacob for me. Come, denounce Israel. How can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce those whom God has not denounced? From, from the rocky peaks, I see them. And from the heights, I view them. I see people who live apart and do not consider themselves one of the nations. Who could count the dust of Jacob or the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die in the death of the righteous, and may my end be like theirs. Well, Balaam, you're, the ending of a righteous man is hard to be if you don't make that choice before your death. Okay? Of course, Balaam didn't like that. He said, what have you done? I brought you here to curse my enemies, and you have done nothing but bless them. And again, he reminded him, I can only speak what God has told me to speak. Okay, so Balaam says, this ain't a good spot here. Let's move on to this other spot. So he takes him where he can only see part of the Israelites. So he goes there and says, what about now? You think you can curse the people now since there's only a few here? And same thing, you know, get these people. Uh, you know, let's, let's take all these bulls and rams and let's sacrifice them. Same thing, they go make the sacrifices. He goes up again. God tells him, you know, look, I've blessed these people. I'm not going to curse them. So he comes down and tells Balak that. Takes Balak off even more. Balak, again, takes him somewhere else where he can only see the wasteland. You know, maybe he's thinking, hey, if he sees his wasteland, maybe he'll think, you know, maybe he'll get these negative thoughts in this wasteland. And what all this is simply to me is seduction. You know, if you think about it, it's like a man and a woman's attraction. Say they start off in a crowd of people. You know, and then they move on to a smaller room where there's just a few people there. And then they move off where it's just them two. It becomes a little bit more intimate there. 
And that's kind of what's happened in our story right here. Okay, so they built another altar, had nothing but blessing for Israel. And so Balaam told a prophecy, even though he was corrupt. As a matter of fact, Balaam's fourth oracle that he told helped the Magi. The Magi read this article, and it helped the Magi find this newborn king of the Jews. They read the fourth article, fourth oracle that he had written. I mean, can corrupt preachers lead people to Christ? Yes, they can. It's in the power of the word. Right here is where the power is. It's, it's, not, it's not the guy up here. I mean, I mean, God made a donkey talk. I mean, that's humbling. You think about that. I get up here and speak to you guys. I mean, he could get a donkey to come up here and preach to you guys. I'm nothing special. It ain't the preacher. It's what the preacher's reading. This right here is the power. So yes, a corrupt preacher can lead somebody to Christ through the Holy Word. What happens next to the children of Israel will happen again in the end times. This is kind of where prophecy comes gets involved. Okay? Because in Revelation, you have a beast, you have a dragon, and you have a false prophet. In our story, you have the Moabites, the Edomites, and this false prophet, Balaam. Okay? So, however, when they were unsuccessful in trying to attack from the outside, they go to a plan B because they cannot penetrate Israel from the outside. Sound kind of like the USA a little bit? Okay, so they attack from the inside, and this is the beginning of how, and this is happening in our churches today, is it not? We're getting attacked from the inside. Okay, here's how it happened then. Balaam goes home empty-handed. He's ticked off the whole way, and he, he, he devises this scheme of what he can do. So he goes back to Balaam. They kind of have this conversation. Hey, did you come back to, to curse the Israelites? Um, no, no, I can't curse what Yahweh has blessed, but... I do have a way for you to have victory. I got a plan. Okay? You send over the, these friendly, beautiful young ladies, and you get them to entice the men over there. And, uh, you know, you get them real friendly, and then you slowly start having these sacrifices to other gods. And what that's going to do is that's going to cause division between the Israelites and God. And that is going to break the curse that they're the blessing and so they do it it works these men can't resist the ladies and they're like oh it's just a little sacrifice right well a little sacrifice to another god with a little g besides the big god god does not like that he's a jealous god therefore he got angry and so the plan worked and the reason we know this is in revelation chapter 2 verse 14 John tells us, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. He's talking to a church. You have people there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food, sacrificed to idols, and by committing sexual immorality. Okay. 
<clears throat> now to bring home the application. Numbers 25, 1 through 3. It reads, While Israel was staying in Shittim, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with the Moabite women who invited them to the sacrifice to their gods. The people ate and bowed down before these gods, so Israel joined in worshiping the Baal of Peor, and the Lord's anger burned against them. Well, the people got wolfed, but... In a way, that was God's way of taking them to the woodshed because later on in verse 31 that we read, uh, we read how Israel won the victory over, over them and God had blessed them once again as a nation. They repented. And, you know, after the trip to the woodshed, you know, they regained their victory. They regained their good standing with God. And what God blesses, let no man curse. We, as God's chosen people, will go through the temptation of compromise. We're going through it right now. We're going through the temptation of our fellow brethren, churches, compromising God's word. We take a little snip here and a little snip there and and we're compromising what God's holy word says. And anytime we compromise, just like them compromising back in the Old Testament, it does not end good. So I ask you the question, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? Because Balaam, he got his riches. He did. But when Israel was blessed, guess what? Balaam was killed. He died with all those riches. And he didn't take them with him wherever he went. So, as James sung earlier for us, I'd rather have Jesus than. What's your temptation? I'd rather have Jesus than you fill in the blank. I don't know what your temptation is. I don't know what you're fighting. I do know that you're fighting a temptation because Satan is after you as a Christian. If he ain't after you, better come to the altar tonight and ask for salvation. Because if Satan ain't after you, there's something wrong in your spiritual walk. A Christian walk is harder than any walk you'll ever have in your life. All right, we're going to bow our heads and we're going to have a little altar call at this time. If anybody wants to come forward at this time um, and pray, if anybody wants to come and join the church, whatever that, whatever you may have a need for, we're going to bow our heads and pray. James, would you go up? Care to go up and just maybe play that little diddle again?